Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. When we want to pick a real estate market, we want to look at a lot of factors. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important factors, which isn't geographic, it's demographic. And we have a great guest on the Real Estate Guys radio show. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms, with me as usual, co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. When we look at where to invest in real estate, we think about market analysis. But I want to analyze a market. Is it a good market? Is it an improving market? And so forth. But we're going to talk market analysis in a little different way today, and that is demographic analysis. Rather than a physical marketplace, which is important, certainly, before you make a purchase decision, you also need to think about who you're serving. Who is your target audience as an investor? Yeah, I think Harry Dent probably is the best known economist who really applied demographics to uh, economics. And he realized when he wrote The Roaring 2000s that the baby boomers were going to be in that season of life where they were peak earning, peak saving, and they were going to be putting a lot of money in the stock market. And that was going to mean a big boom. I go back and I look at the baby boomer generation, for example, which is really when you talk about demographics, it's usually the first generation everybody talks about. And uh, they went through the seasons of life, right? After World War II, you know, you had uh, in the 50s, they were teenagers, you know, it was rock and roll and then muscle cars in the 60s and then, you know, the 70s and the 80s, minivans. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty soon, and then they got into the saving years in the stock market. And now, of course, they're in their retirement years. And so there's other things that are going on. You got the echo boomers, which is completely prizes of the millennials, their children, and the other like Gen X and some of those other that come up behind them. Obviously, people need housing and they need different types of housing depending on what they're doing. And so when you look at demographics and you look at the population, the number of people going through different seasons of lives and how it affects their economic needs and behavior, as an investor, you have an opportunity to step in front of that wave or get on top of that wave and ride it. Well, it's critical. Rather than just say, well, this is a good market, a good physical town to invest in. It's like within that town, where is the demand? I was telling our guest, who you'll meet in a few minutes, about a story. I don't know if you remember this, when we went into a particular marketplace and we would very often go find a builder who was building new housing and negotiate to buy a big chunk of the properties, you know, maybe 30, 40% of his inventory that we would, if it was appropriate, uh, then be able to point investors to. And that was a great model for us and it worked for our investors. And we would look for geographic marketplaces. Well, I remember this was a particular developer. He was building brand new three and four bedroom houses. And they were, even though they were new houses, they were really designed as rentals. It was an area where you had a few owner occupants, but mostly it was rental families and so forth and the local public housing agency the section 8 uh, group if you if you would had a pent up demand a line of people waiting for four bedroom houses but three bedroom houses were languishing on the market so we went to this guy and said well we'd like to take all your four bedrooms and you have on the map here some other streets could we have you build four bedrooms instead of three bedrooms and he's like well why would you want to do that you know i've got a good mix of you know properties and elevations and so forth well we had a completely different reason because we knew the minute those closed there would be tenants let me ask you this how long do you want to wait between owning a home and having the tenant move in. Right. Not very long. No. Right? So this was a case where in a very isolated case, very simple example, but the demographics is what was important in that marketplace. Who were the people that were going to move in? So I think we always want to pay attention to physical markets. We like different cities, different states, different countries, different you know places to invest. But at the same time, who is your customer and 
Are there more or less of them on the way? Exactly. You know, another area of demographics that I've been paying attention to is China. And you think, well, you know, I'm not going to invest in real estate in China. I don't feel like their property law rights would maybe be as secure as I'd like them to be. But I don't know. It's just for me, it's not about that, but it's about people. So for a long, long time, China, as a communist country, viewed their citizenry as burdens because they were wards of the state, basically. Right. And as they've adopted more of a capitalistic way of thinking, they've realized that people are assets. And so they lifted their ban on one child per couple. Yep. And, you know, if you think about the size of the Chinese population at the time that ban got lifted, it was just a few years ago, 10 times bigger than what the United States was when the baby boomer generation kicked off. Yeah. And so you think, okay, so 20 years from now, maybe even 10 years from now, that's going to be a big boom in mouths to feed and all the types of products and services and commodities that are underneath that. So you look at the idea, they've been investing a lot in natural resources. They buy mines, they buy farmland all over the world because they know they're going to have a much bigger population and they need to control those resources. That's just another example of how you can look at the demographics. So we've been enamored, say, for example, of, of farmland because it's a way to buy real estate that produces recurring income, but it isn't based on local market or tenants. It's based on mouths to feed anywhere in the world. And so that's just another way that demographics can match up to the economics of real estate and, and where you go to look for opportunity. Well, and keep in mind, when we talk about the baby boom, the U.S. wasn't the only baby boom. There was a baby boom in Canada. There was a baby boom in Japan, right? It's, it's well, a, it was a world war that <laughs> took all the men out of the homes and yeah. had them out there. So, yeah. Yeah. And so in any market you're looking at, it's always about the durability of the income and the way that trans- translates here means that it's not the tenant that's in the property when you buy it. If I buy an apartment building and there's 10 units and there's 10 people living in there, that's great. But that's not why I'm buying it for those 10 people. It's the thousands like them in the market who would be willing to step up and rent that should these people leave. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too, is we pay attention to jobs. Jobs because they're the source of income, not jobs for job's sake, because what we're interested in is not the job. I don't care what my tenant does. I just care that they have enough money to pay the rent. And so you have to think about that. Say, okay, well, there's certain demographics. Their income doesn't come from jobs. It comes from other sources. And how reliable are those sources? How important are those sources? Is that discretionary money? Or is that money they absolutely positively have to spend? So we like lifestyle investing. We like resort. Now, you got to get that right. you got to pick the right market. It's got to have the right supply demand. And the reason we like it is because it pulls demand from all over the world to a specific geography. Okay, that's a way to look at it. There are other demographics where it it is regional, but the money comes from other places. So, for example, you look at like a government, where a government is located. They're going to pull money from wherever and within their tax jurisdiction and then that's going to create financial traffic in an area and, and, and jobs that go along with that. There's other demographics, uh, say, for example, Section 8 housing, where the money is coming from the government. It's not about jobs. It's about the government. Uh, Social Security would be another area that you could look at. Maybe long-term health care would be another. So there's, there's other sources of income that aren't necessarily jobs that you're trying to figure out. Is there a way from a demographic economic real estate standpoint to tap into that flow of money and get it flowing towards towards you. And we have a huge, undeniable demographic to talk about when we come back, and you'll get to meet our guest. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Memphis is famous for being the home of the king of rock and roll, but it's also the king of cash flow. If you're looking for affordable cash flow properties, it's hard to beat Memphis. Get your portfolio rocking and more cash flowing your way by calling Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry's the king of turnkey properties. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing report. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe, CEO of Paradigm Life. Wall Street and banks spend billions of dollars per year in advertising with the goal to convince you that they are the solution. But take a look around. None of their advice has worked. If you're listening to this, odds are pretty good that you're already a real estate investor or at least becoming one. So why do you do it? Is it to hedge inflation, the tax benefits, or maybe it's to get your money away from Wall Street? It's because of these benefits and so many more that I created the Real Estate Investor's Guide to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy. 
When you combine successful real estate investing with the perpetual wealth strategy, you have the recipe for what has helped the wealthy to establish their financial well-being for decades. You can download the Real Estate Investor's Guide to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy today by clicking the Resources tab on the Real Estate Guys Radio homepage. Don't wait. Go download it now. Hi, I'm Mark Victor Hans. You're listening to the Real Estate Guys. If you want to expand your consciousness, expand your wealth, expand your future, and have more delight and excite in your future than in your past, keep listening to the Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. And wherever you may be via the podcast, we're talking today about demographics, the importance of analyzing the people who you're going to be serving as a real estate investor, whether that's retail, office, commercial, residential, our guest today has an excellent niche to talk about. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. Gene Garino. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to be here. It's always good to see you and always good to hear that Gene Garino voice on the radio. <laughs> uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate that. Well, you've done some radio over the years and uh, and recently some TV. Yes, recently on smoothies, summertime smoothies for seniors. Crazy stuff. Watch it live on YouTube and have fun. <laughs> well, let's talk about seniors because uh, obviously we think about the baby boomers and at one edge of the baby boomers, folks are getting old. Older, and there's some undeniable things about what you call the silver tsunami. Yeah, as we all get older, we're going to need help. And the aging of our demographic, this silver tsunami that's literally unstoppable, housing needs are changing. So the demographics, it's not just the geographics of where to be, but who's going to live there? What do they need when they get there? They don't need, grandma doesn't need four bedrooms. She doesn't need three bedrooms. But even millennials these days are looking for one bedrooms and studio apartments. So demographics are really changing real estate investing all over the country. Now, I know you noticed this trend some time ago and started to say, how do I get in front of that? And uh, talk about how you came to the conclusion that this was a niche that needed to be served. Well, really, it came down to two things. One was my personal desire for significant residual income, doing one deal and then flipping it and making money, but you're unemployed doing it again didn't make a lot of sense, although it was fun. And renting properties, making 100 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month is okay, but you need 100 units, 200 units to really make sense. But the concept of doing one deal and making enough money to pay all your bills, that's what I was looking for. That coupled with my mom, she needed help. And as she was getting older, wasn't able to take care of herself as well, we needed a solution. And when we started to look for that solution, it was pretty scary what's out there. And that's when we vowed to create a solution that I'd be proud to have mom and dad move into. And as soon as I did, the home filled and others asked me to teach them how to do it. Yeah, this is amazing. And think about it, as folks age, they have different levels of care that they need. Some, they don't need that much help. Eventually, they need a lot of assistance. But what you look at it, once people talk about assisted living, they think about these big institutional buildings that you go to, but that's not what you do. What you guys do is very different and, and very mom and pop. It really is. We do single family homes and the idea of assisted living, nobody's gonna move in there unless they need assistance. Last night, we had the opportunity to hear from William Shatner, the captain himself, and it was so cool to see him. So much energy, and he's talking about riding his horse, and he's 86 years old. Wasn't that crazy? It's crazy, and you look at this man, and it's like, wow, that's not the 86-year-old I see in my assisted living homes. Right. So the homes that we have are single-family homes we've converted. Not a lot of real estate uh, conversion required, meaning grab bars, smooth floors, wide doors, but it's not a complete conversion. It's not ADA compliant all the way through. So it's a converted single family home for a group home for seniors. But those seniors, they do need assistance. Maybe not William Shatner, maybe not Ed Griffin, right? But <laughs> <laughs> some of us are going to need more help than others. Yeah. And, and so this is a pretty interesting concept because rather than be in one of those big buildings, and there's some advantages to that, you know, most folks grew up in a home and here they're in a house and they're living with other people. Right. So there's a social aspect and, and, and so forth. And now the you've been running a few of these for a while, you're starting to you know, see the differences. Talk about the experience for this client of yours. You know, a lot of times people will move to our home after being in a big box, and that's what I call it, a big box facility. In the old days, 40, 50 years ago, people really didn't last as long. They didn't live to be 80, 90 years old, 100 years old. So they put them in an institutional setting because that's what there was. Then they've now started to create these big facilities that are really huge, gorgeous facilities that are more like a hotel or resort, but that's eye candy for you and I, the kids, you know, and it's the mom and dad who's 85 years old, just like you said, they've lived in a home their whole life. They want to stay at home, but they need help. So if we can move them
them into a home, they love that. They like that better. And then the camaraderie, it's a family versus a crowd. Not everybody is great at making friends. And just because there's 200 people there doesn't mean that these are going to be 200 new friends. But if you're in a home with 8, 10, 12 people, they're going to become people that you do know and the relationships can grow deeper there. Well, you mentioned another important point, and that is who your customer is, because it isn't the resident, it's the family. Exactly. And I always tell people that, that it's not the resident, the family. We call it Daughter Judy in our class when we teach it because Daughter Judy's expectations are sometimes really high. And we need to understand, explain to her or or him, but it's usually a daughter, Judy, is in charge. And they don't understand that, you know, hey, mom and dad, they need help. But that doesn't mean they're not going to fall. Doesn't mean they're not going to have issues. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. So they are our client as much as the resident. The resident really doesn't even know what it costs to be there. The family does, though, because it's coming out of their inheritance, the mom and dad's resources, and eventually the kids' resources, too. You know, we talked a little bit before the break about uh, Section 8. In the Section 8 scenario, the tenant is paying something, but the government and really the public housing agency is arranging for most of the rent to be paid. And there's reasons why that's great as a landlord, and there's reasons why it's not. I like the fact that the person staying in the unit has a vested interest. But in this case, the money comes from the family or the family administering mom or dad's money. But the experience that you're creating is a great experience for the rest compared to maybe staying with daughter Judy. Yeah, and daughter Judy may be well-meaning, but it is hard to be a caregiver. When you're a child, when you're a child and you're 50, 60 years old, right, you're still a child to your parent, that doesn't mean you're the caregiver. It doesn't mean you should be, you know, it's really hard. That's a personal thing. Not all of us were brought up to be a caregiver for our parent. But also, I wanted to make sure that, that you said something very important. I want to make sure people know that we don't focus on uh, the Medicare, the Medicaid, the government pay. So Section 8 is great. But when it comes to the seniors, they'll only pay a few thousand dollars a month. Private pay, we can charge anything and they'll pay four, five, six, eight thousand dollars a month. So from a business perspective, we focus on private pay very different than the Medicare Medicaid. Well, this is the whole demographic thing, right? We've identified that seniors have a need, and within that, there's always this subset. And I know at your classes, you talk about this kind of pyramid, and there's a sweet spot. There's the high-end, you know, Ritz-Carlton, if you will, of assisted living, and if you can afford that, you know, awesome. And then there's the low-end, which is going to be government subsidy. Right. Talk about that sweet spot. You know, that sweet spot is, as you said, that spot where it's not the low end where everybody can move in and it's not the top of the top, cream of the crop, just a few people can afford. It's where the bulk with the people with the money. So that private pay, not the government pay, not the multimillionaire that already has a million dollars in the bank and can hire a private chef and doctor at their own home, but somebody who can afford that four, five, six thousand a month is really your sweet spot. Keep in mind that 6000 a month might be the average in Seattle, let's say, and that could be double the average in Alabama. So it's a different, depends on where you are geographically. Right. Once you identify demographic now, you can look at geographic. And of course, there are a lot of places where this makes sense. And, and probably almost any market is going to have a need, but you've got to study and make sure how strong is the demand over time. The demand, and as you always say, follow the money. Live where you want to live, but business-wise, follow the money. Go where the numbers make sense. And real estate-wise, I travel all over the country. This year already, I've been in over 30 cities this country and five countries this year already. But the concept of where to do this, if you follow the money, in some areas, it's a million-dollar home, and that same home in another area is 200,000. Same home, but in one area, I can charge 6,000 in that million-dollar home in the other area, I can only charge 3000 So the numbers themselves can work in either one, and you can do it with six residents or 12 residents, but follow the numbers. Always good advice. Well, I know you have students that are able to invest in their area because it makes sense. And then I know you have students that are investing a few states away, and, and, and that's all good. Let's talk about the house because the house does have some physical requirements. Not every house is going to be the ideal house for this. What, what is the kind of property you're looking for? Yeah, it's always location first, because I always say you can scrape the house away and build it new. But if I were to pick the perfect house, it'd be a single level, it'd be bigger rather than smaller, and I'm gonna give you a rule of thumb, the 300 square feet of living space per resident is a very comfortable home. Legally, most states, you can do it in half that. You could have a 1,500 square foot house and 10 people living in it. Please don't do that. Right. 
I want you to do a big, comfortable, 300 square feet is a great amount of space, but it's not 10 individual bedrooms. It might be five bedrooms with two people in a bedroom, semi-private. And some of you listening are even saying, well, I don't have five bedroom homes or eight or 10 bedroom homes. Got it. You convert space, convert dining room space, maybe even a garage into living space. The single level makes it easy for mobility. But if you have multi-story, you can do chairlifts, elevators. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh, an elevator, that's expensive. Hey, would you be willing to spend $35,000 once to be able to make 30000 a month net for your rest of your life? Let me think about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one of the really unique parts of this. It's a typical single-family house that is what we're talking about, single-story ranch-style house. Maybe it's a five-bedroom house, and I could put 10 people in it. That's not going to make a, a lot of sense in most markets from just a strictly rental perspective, a right. family moves in, right? It's not going to follow the 1% rule or any of that. But in this case, each of these tenants is paying a, a decently high amount. It's affordable for them, but at the same time, the multiples are crazy. You can have a single family house with 20, 25, $35,000 of gross income. Yes, and those would actually be the low end of the numbers. The average is $3,600 per person per month for a private room and assisted living. But that's average, and you and I would not want to put mom or dad in that home. So really, four, five, six thousand is what we focus on, that sweet spot. It's above the middle range. It's, a, it's nicer than, but not the cream of the crop. And when you're in that range there, there's plenty of money to pay caregivers well, have great food, a great house, great environment. But the house itself, as you mentioned, is not extremely extraordinary. Legally, you only have to have two bathrooms for 10 or 12 people. I want you to have more than that. So adding bathrooms, smooth floors, no carpet, or you can have carpet, but it absorbs liquid of all kinds. So I'd rather you have hardwood, tile, linoleum, easy to clean and care for, wide doors, 36-inch doors, grab bars. Those are the kind of retrofit things that we do to a home. And, you know, I guess the other big part to talk about is that, well, you have more income, but you also have more expenses because there's the care part of it. And some people hear about this go, well, gosh, I'm going to have to hire doctors and nurses and the staff. That's not really what we're talking about. Exactly. First of all, not medical. No doctors, no nurses. It's not a hospital, not a doctor's office. It's a home. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is, it's really two parts, Robert. It's business and real estate. So if you just want to do the real estate, you can own the real estate, lease it to an operator, potentially get up to twice the fair market rent with a long-term tenant. They want a five-year lease, not a one-year lease. Low impact. Grandma isn't trashing the house. She's not having keggers till midnight. She's <laughs> not raising Rottweilers in the back bedroom. So it's a low impact tenant, long-term lease, higher than fair market rent. It's all good from the real estate side. From the business side, think of it as a fine dining restaurant. We're here in Vegas. We're going to uh, you know restaurants every night. And the point is the chef, the food, the wait staff, the ambiance, all of that matters. The room is just a room. The building is just a building. So it's the business that is really making you the money. And when we talk about 10,000, 15, 20,000 net per month, that's not coming from just the real estate. That's the operation of the business. And I love the fact that you can do either. So one more thing on, on just the care part, and that is who is in the house helping? It's 24-hour care. It's a caregiver that's properly qualified in the state. Every state has their own qualifications. Some states, it's fog a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Other states, it's 104 hours of training, background tests, TB tests, the whole bit. Uh, so you, they need training to be properly able to take care of the residents with direct care. But how many do I have to have? The state across the country says the same. You, as the operator, determine what does the staff need. If you say, I need one person to take care of 50 residents, that's what it is. Now, that's not what we do because we don't have 50 residents. Our ratios are 5 to 1, 6 to 1. But a big box facility could easily be 15, 20, or 30 to 1. And that is scary because I've been there with friends of mine, with their folks in those homes. And when you look at the direct care staff and what they're really getting in our home, it's much more comfortable and a lot better ratio of staff to the residents. We're talking with Gene Garino about this big demographic of seniors. And as they get older, their needs are changing for real estate. That presents opportunity for you. And there's several opportunities. That's what we'll talk about next. Plus, we'll play real estate trivia when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, it's Robert Helms. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I want to personally invite you to come see an amazing real estate market that combines excellent cash flow, offshore diversification, and what we affectionately call lifestyle investing. 
Come join me from August 18th to 21st in the beautiful country of Belize. The Real Estate Guys have been bringing investors to Belize for more than 10 years now, and our discovery trip is designed to show you the market like nobody else can. Sure, Belize is breathtakingly beautiful, the people are wonderful, and wait till you taste the food. But the real opportunity is the real estate investment potential. 2016 was the biggest year in tourism Belize has ever witnessed, and this year is off to an even better start. How does that translate to real estate investment? Well, that's what you have to come see. There's all types of opportunity in Belize when it comes to real estate investing, including both long and short-term rentals, commercial and retail triple net properties, business opportunities, land acquisition, development, agriculture, and more. And as the only country in Latin America with English as its official language, it's easy to understand the law, property rights are strong, and contracts are in English. And in Ambergris Key, Belize, a unique situation exists where demand for rentals continues to outstrip supply, creating a compelling environment for investors. So come see for yourself. Join me on August 18th to 21st in Ambergris Key, Belize as we study the market, learn about the sustainable drivers, and tour lots of beautiful real estate. And like all of our field trips, there are no properties for sale during the weekend. Rather, you'll meet lots of providers that will help educate you about the market so you can follow up with them after the trip if the market seems interesting to you. That ball will be in your court though, you'll receive their contact details, but they won't receive yours unless you give it to them. You've heard about Belize on the Real Estate Guys for all these years, now come see what all the excitement is about. Plus, we'll have lots of time over meals and activities to talk about all things real estate. To get the details, go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events where you'll find the Belize Discovery Trips. Once you register, you'll get information about our group hotel rates as well as travel details. So join me in Belize. It's a beautiful country with lots of amazing possibilities, and the only thing missing is you. Go to realestateguysradio.com under events. I look forward to seeing you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We appreciate you tuning in today. We're talking about demographics, and specifically, we're talking with Gene Garino about the baby boomer demographic and the opportunities therein. Before we continue our discussion with Gene, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia. Your chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question, which of course has something to do with real estate and actually in a strange way, our topic today. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you this week's prize. It's a great book called Passionistas. Tips, tales, and tweetables from women pursuing their dreams. That can be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, it was real life lessons from real world syndicators and we asked this, what famous musician lived at 23 Brook Street in London? Well, the answer is Jimi Hendrix. By the way, two doors down at 25 Brook Street is where the composer Handel lived from 1723 until his death in 1759. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Since we're talking about seniors, which country has the highest life expectancy? Of all the countries on earth, which one has the highest life expectancy? Where do people live the longest? If you know or want to take a guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. We need your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address so we can send you passionistas. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking about the importance of demographics when you select a niche in real estate. And Gene Garino's with us talking about this assisted living idea of taking a single family home with lots of bedrooms, lots of space, and turning into still a home, but for more people and therefore more profit. And so, Gene, we've been talking about kind of the model, which makes a ton of sense. It's obvious. People grow up in a house. They understand how that works. Let's talk about the opportunity. You mentioned that you could own the real estate and you could lease it out for more. And of course, people would pay more because they're going to have this business opportunity you have afforded. So in that model, would you typically go in, buy the house, do the retrofitting and, and find an operator? Or how does that part of it work? I'm so glad you asked that because some people have made, I'm going to use the word mistake, of buying the house first, doing all the work, then looking for the tenant. I'm going to suggest you do it completely different. You find the tenant first. 
find out where they suggest the house should be. They're the expert in the industry. They know, our, the people that we've trained know, here's the place to do it. Don't do it here, do it here. They can tell you, here's where I need the house. Here's the size, the makeup, here's what to do. Now I've got a tenant who's there is gonna operate inside that home. Then I would purchase that home. If I find the tenant first, and I know they're gonna be signing on for a five-year lease in the proper location, we're good. The mistake that people make who don't come to my training, frankly, is they'll buy a house and say it's a great house and they try to find a tenant and lo and behold, it's in the wrong location or they can't find a tenant who can operate properly. So tenant first, house second. The real estate's the fun and easy part. So folks are very interested though in the economic model and there's no reason why you couldn't do both. I know many of your students, they buy the house and, and they operate the business. Well, you know as well as I, real estate's an awesome opportunity. So I do that and that's what I teach my students to do. Own the real estate in one entity, own the business in another entity, lease it from yourself, which gives you a good play on the real estate on one side and the tax deductions and the opportunity to finance it as residential rental property and everything else that goes with it. On the other side, you have the business and either one of those can be sold separately. So you're protected, asset protection, you've got insurance on both sides, insurance protection, and then it's an asset that can be sold. That's one of the pieces that people don't get is you're actually creating a business that can be sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars in addition to the real estate that you're operating out of. How many of your students, Gene, uh, they, they start, they get the idea, they do, and then pretty quickly they move to another one. Is it is it the idea that I'll get a, economies of scale by continuing down this path? I think that the people who come to the class with the mindset of it's a business and I'm going to do this as a business, not as an owner operator, not as a hands on, they come in and they're into their second one right away. I mean, we've got students who are on their fifth one within the first two years or, or some of our students have done more than that in 18 months. They're on 10 or 12. but. The first one's always the hardest, it really is, no matter what you do. Second one is easier, by the third one you got it down, it's a system. But this concept of momentum, and Robert Kiyosaki talks about that, the concept of momentum, once you're there, you gotta keep it going, keep it rolling. It's actually easier to do two or three than it is just one. And always easier to do the next one, right? So, Absolutely. And adding to the portfolio. You know, in buy and hold real estate, the two most expensive things, turnover and vacancy. Let's talk about that. What's average length of tenancy and when a tenant does move because they need greater care or whatever the case may be, what does the turnover look like? The turnover is literally when people move in, they're there for life. <laughs> Off and are. I mean, that's it. it. It really, they are because very few actually move on to skilled nursing or nursing homes. Yeah. I would say less than 10% move on to skilled nursing or nursing home. Some people are there for years and years and years. Some people just check in and check out very quickly. The average stay, I'm gonna say, is about a year and a half that okay. they're there. We have had people in homes for 10 years, eight years, uh, though it's a long time, that's not the norm. But I'd say a year and a half is the, is the norm. And I'm gonna also make this comment too and take this the right way. The more they pay, the longer they live. The more they pay, the longer they live. See, we can make stats look any way we want, but it's not because you pay more, you're gonna last longer. It's because when somebody is able to pay more, they typically move in sooner. They move in because it's time to, and they can, they make a choice versus, I'm gonna stay at home, let the kids take care of me until the bitter end, and now they just cannot take care of me anymore. The kids are just like, I cannot take this anymore, but now we're finally gonna move them into a home because we've been trying to save our own money, and now we move them in. So because they're, in a lower economic situation, now they move them in and three months later they pass away. So the more they pay, the longer they last. A good case to have an upscale home, don't do the low end home. You know, a lot of folks who own investment property, a tenant moves out and they're gonna spend a few thousand dollars, maybe only a few hundred dollars spends on that tenant, but it's just always a turnover cost. In this case, it's an up and running business, if you will, so I can't imagine that there's a ton of that. Well, the turnover, first of all, if somebody is a year and a half, and if I, I always kind of bake into the pie that I'm gonna have three out of 10 people replaced each year. Okay. So that's kind of a number itself. So if it's an average of $4,000 per resident, three of those is 12,000, it's $1,000 a month that I'm gonna be out of, right? It's gonna cost me. In addition, your source of getting uh, referrals or people coming into your home, the marketing that you do, is it word of mouth? Is it expensive? You, and when I say expensive, one side which makes your life easier is to pay referral agents. There's agents that place seniors in the homes. They typically get paid one month's rent. So one month's rent, if it's $4,000, they're gonna earn $4,000. That's a lot of money. 
but I'd rather have a bed full than a bed empty. One night empty is one night I'll never get back. So you decide if you're going to really go out and market or have your manager better off market for you to get the word out, word of mouth, referrals to you. You can bring that down to very small numbers, but if you rely on the referral agents, it's going to cost you more. It's just a cost of business. Let's talk about the impact in the community, because if you think about this, it's a single family home in a neighborhood of single family homes. And I know people come to your class. I've seen them ask this question. It's like, well, gosh, is it legal? And what about zoning? And I've got all these people in my house. Talk about that. You got it. Because Because there's a paradigm to break there. There really is. Because of the Fair Housing Act, uh, they cannot discriminate against grandma. See, a lot of times as real estate investors buy and hold, the Fair Housing Act is not a positive thing for the landlord. In our case, it is because they can't discriminate based on age. So even though the zoning may say something or the homeowners association may have an agreement amongst themselves, it really can't uh, be held up. So let me let me kind of go at it this way. If there's an HOA in one neighborhood and there's not in another, I'm going to gravitate to the one that doesn't have an HOA. Okay. One less problem to deal with. Yep. But an HOA is really a voluntary type of thing and there's not a legal enforcement available to them and when they say you can't operate a business outside of your home okay then that means the attorney can't operate outside of the home the accountant can't the real estate agent can't so either you discriminate against all of us or you can't just say we can't do business right so we can get past an HOA the state many times has a limit. In Texas, it's 16 people in a small facility. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. So in a home, you can have up to 16 people in a single family home. Arizona says 10. Now I could fight either one of those with the Fair Housing Act and take it to court, but I'm not gonna take spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees to fight that. If you do, I'll be right behind you with a bag of popcorn. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> but I'd rather have somebody else do that. I want the easier one. So even if they limit it, let's say in the city of Dallas, to eight people in a home, I can do two homes nearby. I still get the economies of scale. And in states like Washington State, where the state says you're limited to six people in a home, that's why the rates are some of the highest in the nation there. So you just charge more because it is that much more exclusive. You know, I know this is a lot to to get your mind Mm. around, and you do a great job explaining it, and we've had you speak at events and in 10 minutes be able to paint the picture of it and so forth. But there is a ton to learn if you're serious about doing it. I had the pleasure to attend your one-day class and learned a ton about it, but even that wasn't enough to pull the trigger on it. So you do a three-day training, and it's not just teaching all the nuts and bolts of it. You actually get folks in a bus, and you go and tour some of the facilities. Talk about the training. You know, the context for the content is really the core, the center, the the most important part of that three-day training. It is three days. It was designed to be an immersion class. So in three days, you learn everything you need to know from top to bottom. And that's really the way I want to learn. I want to learn an immersion process. I'm a busy guy. A lot of us are. Give me a book and tape. I may watch half, listen to half, but it's going to go on the shelf and it doesn't quite make it. Give me three days where you give me everything I need, I can get it. But in the middle of that, we get in a bus and you come and see my homes. I teach the class myself, come see the homes, touch it, feel it, smell it, and it smells good. And you walk through, you meet the managers, the caregivers, you meet all these other people from across the country who are doing this too. And some of them are everything from hedge fund managers and private lenders to real estate investors to medical professionals to people who are caregivers to people who have just doing their first real estate or business transaction. So it's a wide swath but they're all in one room and it's a great networking opportunity. So it's a great three days. We learn a ton and now somebody is basically able to go out and do this with great success any place in the country. You know, we've run into a lot of listeners that have taken the training. Everybody raves about it. And of course, a lot's our favorite thing, right? Education for effective action. We've had lots of uh, listeners, the real estate guys, do the thing. And I think that's because they have enough information that they can pull the trigger. They, they don't feel like I need to go learn more because they are immersed in this. You've had the opportunity now to work with uh, students for quite a while. You've taught them, some do, some don't. What are the lessons learned from the students that have pulled the trigger or maybe made those mistakes? You know, it's a great question because I know that at uh, I've gone through the list and there is a dozen students that I can point to directly that came from you through your radio program and they're students and they have their homes and they're successful. What's the difference between them? I think somebody like yourself encouraging them to pull the trigger, get in the game, take step one. Because I, I can help somebody, but I'm I'm not going to do it for them. Right. I'll be responsible to you, but not responsible for you. So those people who take action generally get it. And if you don't give up, you'll get whatever you want. 
Well, you can't argue with the demographics, right? I, I can look at a market and say, well, there's a, a new company moving in and there's going to be housing required. Okay, well, how long is the company going to stay? And right? In this case, we're talking about a demographic shift that is undeniable. And it's not just in your town, it's in other towns. And so part of it is identifying which segment you want to be after, and you've been very clear about that. And then geography-wise, obviously different states use teach all over the place. Are there places that are more friendly or more open to this or where there's more opportunity? That's a great question, and it's, uh, I'm going to say just re echoing what you just said, there's older people in every state, so you can do this everywhere. Please don't feel like I have to go to Florida, I have to go to Arizona, that's the common thought. They're all over, they're in Minnesota, they're in Nebraska, they're in Oregon, they're in Southern California. But state-wise, regulation-wise, let's face it, the two coasts, New York and California, have more regulation, more taxes, more hassles to do business, period. Doesn't mean it's not doable. It's just it's going to be more expensive, a little more effort. But I like barriers to entry. I really do, because that way not everybody's going to get in the game. I still need customers. <laughs> I don't want everybody doing this, but those who are willing to jump through the hoops, you're on the other side once you're through, and now you enjoy the fruits of that labor. You know, let's think through to the big picture, because I know you've had this thought. We saw what happened in 2008, and the hedge funds moved in and bought hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of houses. Obviously, the big money is looking at this space, but they're not looking at buying a single family house. And yet, since the space is undeniable, what kind of aggregation do you see down the road? Is this the kind of thing where someone can get in, run the, the home, and then be positioned to sell it? And that's where the bigger thinkers are. When they come to the class, they say, I'm not interested in one, I'm interested in 20 or 30. Or they come in and say, I represent $20 million in investment funds. So positioning yourself to be in control, doesn't mean you have to own, but in control of 20, 30, or 100 of these homes, now you're an incredibly attractive target for the big money that eventually is going to come and take us out. And they're not going to take out, as you said, the onesie twosie. Really do think, if you weren't in this part of the game in the real estate, when the hedge funds came in and started to buy out tens of thousands of properties across the country they were interested in people that had portfolios you got a hundred homes they're all over you and they pay more so the big money is big they're not necessarily smart they're big and they need to deploy the capital so once you understand that what well, you and I might be willing to pay five hundred thousand for they're more than willing to pay eight hundred or a million for and I am more than willing to sell it to them so we've learned a ton and there's a ton more to learn and you may not be ready for the three-day course but Gene has a great video that a lot of folks have watched and if you'd like to see it all you have to do is send an email email to ALF, think assisted living facility, ALF, A-L-F, at realestateguysradio.com. You also get to find out where and when those classes are. And you do that class how often, Gene? We do it six times a year, and they're always sold out. It's a phenomenal opportunity. Yeah, and people rave about it. So uh, we sure appreciate your time today, and uh, thanks for uh, bringing us up to speed with what's happening in your world and this amazing demographic of the silver tsunami. Thank you. Hey, before I get you out of here. You're coming back for next year's Investor Summit at Sea? Oh, what are you kidding? I'm already signed up. Yeah. My wife and I are so looking forward to that. Spending time with you guys personally and all the rest of the... It's not just the staff, I got to tell you, though. It's all the other people who attend. So my little personal plug you didn't ask for, but the point is, if you are thinking about coming to that Summit at Sea, don't even think twice. Sign up before it gets sold out. You'll kick yourself if you don't. All right. Looking forward to seeing you then, and thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Return to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Ranked by Forbes as one of the fastest growing cities, Orlando, Florida has a big and diverse economy, yet still features affordable rental properties that cash flow. Our boots on the ground turnkey provider, Greg Bond, at Greater Orlando Homebuyers, can show you how to start generating cash flow today. He just wrote a special report to help you discover the magical market of Orlando. Request your free copy today. Send an email to Orlando at realestateguysradio.com. That's Orlando at realestateguysradio.com. This portion of the Real Estate Guys radio program is brought to you by International Coffee Farms, where you can own a parcel of land in your very own specialty coffee farm in Panama for as little as $15,000. Here's how it works. Deeded half-acre parcels entitled Specialty Coffee Farms in Boquete, Panama are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts. Sustainable average income is estimated at 12% and cash flow can begin within 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. 
As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm is committed to a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the Panamanian coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates nine specialty coffee farms with half-acre parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a coffee farm owner in Paquete, Panama, email coffee at realestateguysradio.com. That's coffee at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Sam Freshman, author of Principles of Real Estate Syndication, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show today. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys. Hey, if you've ever wanted to do bigger deals using other people's money, coming out to the secrets of successful syndication, that happens uh, right around the corner. You can find the dates and locations on our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. We're talking today about demographics, particularly baby boomers and the folks who are needing a little help, assisted living. Always great to hear from Gene Garino. Yeah, Gene's a great guy. He's a great teacher. He actually practices what he preaches, which is great. Uh, he's got support programs for his students, so once they get in the game, that you know people are going to be able to know that they've got somebody to call and somebody to help them after the fact. So that's solid. And we've had so many of our listeners that have actually had success. In fact, um, I think we're thinking about doing some case study interviews just to take a look at that because it's really, really a unique niche. You know, when I, we first discovered Gene, when we heard the topic, everything he said made so much sense, and it started with the demographics. And then you think, okay, gosh, I hadn't even thought about that and now all of a sudden I can't believe that I didn't see that coming right. and so now you go say okay I see the opportunity how do I go from concept to implementation how do I get to execution and of course first of all you have to know what you're doing you got to build a team you got to figure out where do you want to play do I want to be on the operator side do I want to be on the landlord side do I want to be on an equity side do I want to lend money to an operator in order to do that you have to be part of a marketplace you know Gene has a whole community of people that he's building as he's out there working and you get plugged into that and now you have sources of deals, you have sources of capital, uh, you have people who can help you find opportunities. So there's all of that that's part of it too. You know, Gene also speaks at our Secrets of Successful Syndication seminar because he started out his career syndicating. He did many of his early deals raising money. And then, you know, anybody that plays at a high level or a consistent level is going to involve investors. Well, this is one of the, the things, you know, if you think, well, gosh, I buy a big old eight bedroom house or something, that's, that's more expensive than if I bought a little rental house. Yeah, but you don't have to come up with all the money. Obviously, Gene has painted the picture that for some folks, owning the real estate and renting it or leasing it for a long-term basis makes a lot of sense. You might not have a lot of money but want to be in that part of the business. Or you may say, you know what, I, I could go raise capital because, again, this is a compelling story. When you raise capital for a purpose, you're going to raise something for a business or, or an endeavor or a piece of real estate. It's got to have a great story. This is an undeniable story. Well, this model reminds me so much of Josh and Lisa Lannon's first business with Journey Healing Centers and their idea of going out and starting addiction recovering centers, a business inside of a McMansion. So they derive huge rents on a single family home. They were buying them at a time where you could lock in very low cost financing, kind of like you can today. Yeah. And you're able to buy these things when they're not selling like hotcakes so you get a good deal on them and then you put a business into them and then later on they actually sold the business and retained the real estate good that's a great model and so this is something just like that and it makes a ton of sense watch the movie founder the other day with michael keaton oh, and it's, it's about mcdonald's and the founding of mcdonald's and yep. the one scene where the guy says Ray, you're in the real estate business. And once he understood that, yeah. that every franchisee he sold was actually getting him a bigger real estate portfolio. And so there's a lot of different ways to play it. And then the other side of it is one of the things we learned coming out of 2008 is the hedge funds began to move into the real estate space. You know, Warren Buffett famously coming out, you know, I'd buy 200,000 single family homes right now if I could. If I could. Well, some guys figured out, you know, maybe not how to buy 200,000, but how to buy 10,000, you know, so they went on aggregated capital a high level and they went out and started buying and we dealt with a lot of the people the turnkey providers at the street level that were fulfilling those orders and these guys were trying to buy big blocks they, they didn't want to have to go buy one property at a time they were looking to take out people that had portfolios of 10 20 30 40 100 houses and so the the idea that in this space 
we just did a newsletter on this a little while ago where we talked about how pension funds are in big, big trouble in the U.S. right now and probably all over the world, but in the U.S. for sure. And they're beginning to look outside their normal places and senior housing. This is an area that they're looking at. They're looking at the demographic of, of seniors and they're saying, we want to invest in a way that leverages that demographic. And this particular product class, assisted living, is one of those areas that does it. But they're not going to show up at your doorstep and buy your one or two facilities. So there's room for somebody to come in between. The the, the pension funds are going to want to place millions of dollars, maybe even tens of millions of dollars. They're going to want to place a lot of money. They're going to need a a mid-size, a small to mid-size business to buy, an operator that's holding many, many houses, maybe in many markets. So right now, you know, if you're listening out there and you're like, well, okay, I'm a small fry. Yes, you're a small fry. But if you build a business with the end in mind, and this is what entrepreneurs do, you know, startup companies always go in and the first thing you ask a startup entrepreneur is what's your exit strategy? Now, I'm going to take my company public. That's basically a sale. I'm, I'm positioning myself to be an ideal candidate for acquisition by a bigger player like a Google or an Amazon. And you see these guys make a fortune. They go in and they build something very specifically for the target buyer they want to sell out to somewhere down the road. And of course, they make money along the way. Well, we see a big opportunity in this space right now. And I think Gene has really done a great job branding himself as the guy that is the go-to guy in the space. He travels all over the country. And again, as a real world practitioner, it's not just teaching something to sell courses, but it's about really showing people how to do the business and have success. And at this stage of our relationship with Gene, we've seen so much of the success, people coming out of our audience and going into his program and actually opening up facilities and having good success. And so we're excited about working with him and continuing to work with him. He's become a good friend and uh, just love what he's doing. And I think there's a huge opportunity right there, all driven by those demographics. And you've been to the training and you've seen the homes. I've been to the training twice. Uh, in fact, I've taken uh, some of my family members to the training and uh, I think some of my, my kids are actually thinking about putting together a syndication to do some of these. Well, there you go. That's the whole key is education for effective action. And right? all of those educate ideas, you can get all the ideas, listen to all the podcasts in the world, but until you do something, you're not going to see the results. Make sure you're paying attention to demographics. Whatever your demographic might be, whatever your market might be, real estate continues to be arguably the single best investment there can be if you do it right always great to hear from gene garino big thanks for his uh, time and make sure if you're interested in what he uh, offers all you have to do is send an email to alf that's alf at realestateguysradio.com next week on the show we've got a great show for you with an amazing guest until then go make some equity happen this episode of the real estate guys radio show is brought to you by paradigm life Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid South Home Buyers, low cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys radio show.